Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Michelle Leslie. Last week, we spent some time talking about biblical love and godly marriages. Amy and I wanted to share in sort of a Titus 2 way some advice from seasoned veterans with a combined 60 plus years of marriage between us. Makes us sound old, doesn't it, Amy? I know. (laughs) We're young, though. Yes, at least young at heart. Well, my heart's young anyway. (laughs) Your heart's been replaced. But anyway. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) In this this episode, we want to talk about the, uh, the unique and honorable biblical role of the single woman. Now, you're probably wondering, what could two married women possibly know about being single? What what wisdom can you impart since you've you've not been in that role as a woman since you were in your teens or early 20s? Yeah, that's a great question. And you would be right if you're wondering this, because you know, Michelle and I have almost zero grown-up years, almost, of personal experience in that role. But the Bible has a lot to say about being single and about honoring God as a woman in that role. So uh, we're going to spend some time sharing from Scripture, of course. And we've also got some uh, great responses. We asked some of you, our listeners, to share your wisdom as women who are single. Yeah, regardless of how a woman came to be unmarried, whether she has never married or whether she's divorced or widowed, a single woman can honor God in her daily life, just as any married woman can, of course. Unmarried church members sometimes lament that they're treated as second-class citizens by their church families, and that really, that is so unfortunate. Sisters and brothers in Christ are family, and regardless Mm -hmm. of marital status, every member of our family ought to be valued and loved and fellowshiped with. You know, Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And another verse you might think of right off the bat is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 8. He says, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Now, notice that he says some have the gift of singleness and some the gift of marriage. Being single can be a precious gift. Paul said he wished more people would remain unmarried like he was. That way they could devote themselves completely to the ministry without the added concerns of spouse and family. People who remain single can serve God with more time and more attention. The ability to stay single and serve God apart from marriage is its truly a gift. Yeah, it really is. In Matthew 19, Jesus had some things to say about marriage, divorce, and singleness. Now, when we read this passage, we often tend to think that it's really mainly about divorce, uh, but it's really about a a few more things. So let's pick it up in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate." 
Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only to those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. So in reading this passage, it, it is much more than divorce. Jesus, uh, notice at the end, he identifies three types of eunuchs here. Now, two of the eunuchs he mentioned have to do, uh, you know, caused by something physical. And the third is actually a spiritual choice. So let's look at those. Uh, the first one uh, is that some forgo marriage due to their natural constitution, uh, born that way. And it's, it has nothing to do with homosexuality. They are born with, uh, for some reason, no desire to marry or maybe something physical. And the second one is uh, some do not marry because of some violent act perpetrated upon them by others. And then the third one is the one that Jesus really uh, was kind of focused on. He says, and some, by the grace of God, have chosen to forego marriage for the kingdom's sake. And we think that's in order to better serve the Lord in some capacity. Jesus spoke of these singles who embrace their singleness for the glory of God. Right. God does call people to remain single and therefore celibate. So we we do need to talk about celibacy for anyone who is single for any reason. God's word tells us that all sexual relations outside of marriage are wrong in his eyes. So single people should not be having sex of any kind. Um, you know, back in our parents' day, they called it going all the way. And, and the stuff leading up to going all the way was first base, second base, and so on. So, ladies, right. no baseball. You know, you're not on the baseball team. You shouldn't even be at the ballpark, okay? So, uh, <laughs> but we want to cultivate a mindset of pleasing and honoring God with our bodies and with our minds. It takes self-discipline in an age when our, our media overemphasizes sexuality and promotes instant gratification as a normal thing. The rest of the world is often taken aback by any suggestion that sexual gratification is a sin. It's a battle of the mind first. So you've got to strengthen your discipline by staying close to God, clothed in his spiritual armor, and trusting your Savior to do battle for you. And if I could, maybe I can offer you some practical advice on avoiding temptation. Um, you know, I've it's kind of an analogy, I guess you could say. I've been working on losing weight and, and being disciplined in my eating. And you know what I've discovered is that I've discovered that despite feeling like I'm going to drop over dead from hunger, it's actually easier for me not to eat a meal at all than it is to control myself once I start eating. So oftentimes that's what I do. Um, and I think a lot of people who have repented of the sin of, say, drunkenness or pornography would probably say the same thing, that it's easier to make the decision not to drink at all or to get rid of the computer altogether 
than it is to control themselves once that drink or once that screen or whatever is in front of them. And that may be what you have to do too. You'll have to prayerfully figure out what at all means in your life. Uh, Maybe it means no dating, or maybe it means dating, but no touching at all, not even holding hands or hugging, or maybe it never, it means never being alone with the the person that you're dating. You know, it kind of reminds me of Matthew 5, 27 to 30, which says this, this is Jesus speaking. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman or man with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her or him in his or her heart. And notice, ladies, Jesus says uh, just says that just about looking at a man with lustful intent. That's the step before you get to touching with lustful intent. So look what he says to do in verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. So if you're looking sinfully, tear that right eye out and get rid of it. If you're touching sinfully, cut that right hand off and get rid of it. And of course, he's speaking figuratively here, metaphorically. Figure out what that right eye or right hand is in your life and cut it off and get rid of it. Set up some sort of cutoff point that prevents you from falling into temptation. That's really good advice. And, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. I I think it's, uh, you know, something that we all have to uh, let the Lord lead us on and and he will. He pray for wisdom in that. Um, So let's look at what else the Bible has to say. You know, are there single people in Scripture? Well, absolutely. Jesus, of course, and Paul, too, as we mentioned. Um, as far as we know, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, may have remained single. We're, we're not sure. But you know what? Their status was not the point. The Bible simply tells us of how their lives revolved around Jesus and their faith in him as their deliverer. So, you know, we don't want to uh, read anything into Scripture more than what Scripture says. Now, there is someone historically uh, from whom we can learn some things about singleness, and that is the prophet Jeremiah. This is so encouraging. And uh, he's often called the weeping prophet, as some of you may know. God commanded him specifically not to marry, but to remain single, even though many of the other prophets were married. In Jeremiah 16.2, God instructed Jeremiah, You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. And a few verses later, Jeremiah was also commanded not to attend weddings or funerals because God was about to remove his blessing from these people. And really, it was a terrible judgment. Now, some of you might conclude that this points to the reality of singleness being a curse in the Old Testament. And uh, the opposite of having, you know, wives and children, that was the real blessing. And you know what? There is a difference between singlehood in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. But first, I just want you to notice something about Jeremiah, that he really was set apart for God as a prophet. And you know what? We're not prophets, of course. We're not Jeremiah. We're not David or anyone else. We we don't want to read ourselves into scripture. But what, what we can see is that, you know, as all believers in Jesus, 
Jesus, we are to be set apart from the world in our day, right? We are different from the world. And that's good to remember where whether you're uh, single or married. And also that Jeremiah knew that he was called by God for this specific purpose, and he wanted to please God. That's because he trusted that God knew what was best for him, just as God knows what is best for all of us. Jeremiah was focused on the eternal instead of the temporal and could see the world from God's perspective instead of his own. Yeah, we could do that too, couldn't we? But next, um, what's even more encouraging is as we jump ahead to the New Testament, uh, the Jews of that time, you know, still believed that God's cultural mandate from Genesis to go forth and multiply by having physical children to expand the kingdom was a sign that they were blessed. But Jesus turned all of that upside down by redeeming his people and really changing the mission of God's people to include married and unmarried alike. And we know this as the Great Commission of Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, probably very familiar to you. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's kingdom in the Old Testament was increased through physical multiplication and excluded singles pretty much because, uh, but because of the cross and the resurrection, we are called to be spiritual multipliers by sharing the good news and making disciples. Our true descendants are spiritual children of God in every nation who hear the gospel, are transformed, and who go forth and make disciples. You know, you hear a lot about inclusiveness in our culture today. Well, the Great Commission is all-inclusive for all Christians, regardless of status. It's because of Jesus that married life is really no better than being single. Both can be blessings from God. And one more verse, 1 Corinthians 7.17, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. That is such good news, Amy. And, you know, I never really thought about the the difference between singleness in the Old Testament and single, being single in the New Testament. So yeah. that was really interesting to me. I really appreciate you working on that and, and bringing that to our attention, because I'd never thought about that before. It is interesting, isn't it? It really is. Well, last week on our social media, we asked our listeners who are single to share some advice and some some thoughts that they have, and we got quite a few responses. This first one is from our Facebook page from a follower named Tracy, and she writes this. I am 53 and have never been married and have been a Christian since 1979. I often share that even if your local church acts like you're invisible or contagious, oh my goodness, don't let that rob you of the joy of intimacy with God and the blessing of serving the body. Singleness is a gift, even though most most of us didn't ask for it, but it is a gift. I have lived in several places as an adult and get treated with a lot more respect in my career than from church leaders. That's mm, not good, that's church. <laughs> that's that's yeah. just my little interjection there, but that is not good. But she says, when I lay those concerns with the Lord, he show, always shows me that I have all I need. 
Stay grounded in the Word so that you know the Father and hear Him biblically louder than you hear your own emotions. Find your identity as a child of God, and you will find it easier than angst over your marital status. Be practical and have a list of who you can turn to for physical needs. I relied on my church family in Texas when I struggled to pay bills between jobs in the 90s, and I I have uh, been blessed to help others that way ever since. I'm not single by my choice. I always wanted to be married and have kids, but I am single by God's design, and I trust He knows best. Wow. That's yeah. That's amazing. Uh, really, really wise, Tracy. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really humbled by the way that Tracy has responded to this like she said, an unwelcome gift that, that God has given her. I, you know, I really don't think it kind of hit home for me because I'm, I'm about to turn, she said she was 53 and I'm about to turn 53 in a couple of months. And I just really don't think I would be able to respond that way as, as graciously and as humbly and as well as she has. What a great example she is to all of us, you know, single or married to, as Hebrews 13, five says, to be content with such things as you have. She, and she also, I kind of interjected a little bit in the middle of her comment. Sorry about that, Tracy, but uh, I was just really overwhelmed by some of the things that she said. She made a really good point about depending on the church. We need to be sure we're being the church to singles, especially when um, single women need, you know, things like help with practical things like car trouble, fixing things around the house and, and so on. That's one of the jobs of deacons in particular. They're to help take care of those those physical, practical needs in the church. And if you're a deacon's wife, what a special way to minister alongside your husband, to be a friend to that single woman that he's helping, you know, while he's fixing her car or whatever, and you can be a friend to her. And certainly we should all love and help our single brothers and sisters, deacon or not. But uh, those are some of, just some of the things that I thought of yeah, great uh, about Tracy's comment. Excellent. Our next comment came on a private Facebook message. Uh, This one's from Timmy. And uh, this one says, thank you for the podcast and for your ministry. Here are my thoughts for what they're worth. And she has kind of a a bullet pointed list here. So I'll, I'll read them like that. Contentment and faithfulness. Continue to seek the Lord about what that means and how it looks. Stay involved in your local church and ask how and where you can be serving if you're not. You are a member along with the marriages and families no less important. Stay accountable to others and let others know what needs you have. Don't be afraid to try new things. Encourage the wives and moms of the church and pray for their ministry if they have one that meets while you're working. Honor them and their calling as you're able. Find ways to encourage your pastor and church leadership. Pursue opportunities to grow in sanctification and maturity in your relationship with the Lord, whatever that looks like. And finally, she writes, lament your singleness, but don't give in to self-pity. And that those are some great, great helpful hints, Michelle. I, I really appreciate that from her as well. Yeah, I agree. And I would say, you know, most of those things, we should all be doing those things, whether yes. we're single or married or what. I, th- I think um, contentment is a big theme in a lot of uh, what we're talking about tonight. And we certainly all need to learn to be content, you know, in whatever circumstances God puts us in. Amen. So, okay, a couple more comments. Um 
This one is from Sersha, who writes, yes, thank you for doing this. <laughs> I was single in the church until I was almost 37 and had no one to look to. Well, Sersha, wow. we are glad to be doing this. We really hope it's helpful and encouraging, and uh, we love our single sisters, so we wanted to do this. Absolutely. And uh, finally, a sweet note from my friend Erica, who took such good care of me at uh, Mayo Clinic last year when I was in her ward and I on her floor, and I just uh, really appreciate her. And she, when she found out we were doing this program uh, tonight, she writes, "Even as a single woman, I enjoyed listening to the episode on marriage and love. Fun to hear your and Michelle's love stories, and I appreciated the honest marriage advice, even if it's not applicable to me at this point in life." I also love that your heart pillow from Mayo got a little shout out. And she says there are times when singles feel a touch forgotten amidst the good and right battle to defend marriage and family in today's crazy world. And Michelle, she makes such a great point that um, I just want to leave our listeners with. If you are married or expect to be, please do not forget or marginalize the single ladies in your church. Uh, you know, those who are just as much sisters in the Lord as you are. I mean, we, we need to make sure that we uh, are not leaving anyone out. Yes, absolutely. We need to, we really need to foster those bonds between brothers and sisters, whether we're single or married or whatever. We need to, we need to draw close to one another, you know, and even more as the day is drawing near. Exactly. Uh, and, and fellowship with one another and just be close to, we're family. We need to be close like family. So I think so too. Well, why don't you have, I'll, I'll give you the last word. <laughs> okay. What are some well, final I, thoughts? Cause I know you have some. <laughs> okay. Well, I I would just ask our listeners to consider the relationship between singles and marrieds in your church. Brainstorm some ways that you as a single woman could reach out to and fellowship with and disciple married women in your church and married women, vice versa, you know, and I do have one suggestion about that, you know, that could really lead to some of those closer relationships. And I, I thought of this because it's something I am really, really bad at. So this is, <laughs> this is as much for me as it is for anybody else. But we need to be careful about being self-absorbed in our conversation and, and develop more of an awareness of the season of life that the people we're conversing with are in. In other words, we need to bring back the art of conversation. For example, those who are stay-at-home moms with younger kids, you know, I remember what that's like. It's, I know life is just constantly consumed 24-7 with the kids and homeschooling and soccer teams and driving around all over the place and all, you know, the other activities and everything. But if that's all you can talk about, you, that's going to leave out your single friends who don't have kids or your married friends who don't have kids and your friends who have grown children. You know, it's going to leave a lot of people out because they won't have anything to contribute to the conversation. So be aware, read the room and find things to talk about that don't exclude others, you know the latest movies, the book you're reading right now, whatever you're studying in the Bible, the pastor's sermon from last Sunday. Uh, if you're really careful, politics and current <laughs> events. 
um, fashion, makeup, restaurants, recipes, whatever, you know, things that everybody can contribute to the conversation. And if you can't think up a topic, then ask the other person about herself. Ask, ask about her job. You know, I always find it so fascinating, no matter what somebody else's job is, I always find it so fascinating to learn about, you know, what they do every day. Well, how do you do this? How do you do that? People probably get tired of me asking about things like that, but I just find it so interesting. But you could ask about her job, her family relationships, her hobbies, what she's learning in her quiet time or her Bible study class, or maybe ask her advice on a situation in your life and and things like that. But besides that, do try to think of ways to reach across the aisle, so to speak, and foster those closer relationships between singles and marrieds. And this week, you know, pray about, and if necessary, maybe talk to your pastor and elders about how you could possibly put some of your ideas in into practice. Um, so also last, also on last week's episode, we bade a fond farewell to my son, Benjamin, who has done such great work for us producing the podcast over the past couple of years. And we set up a fundraising site for those who wanted to say thank you by helping out with his schooling expenses. And we just wanted to say thank you for your generosity and kindness to him. And if you didn't get a chance to donate, but you want to, you can find the fundraiser link and all the information about that in last week's episode entitled Love and Marriage, or by going to any of our social media pages and scrolling down just a little bit. But once again, thank you very, very much. And finally, we've gotten some very kind comments from you listeners that we wanted to share. One of our listeners says, this podcast is wonderful. There are few biblically sound women podcasters out there. Don't we know it? Uh, <laughs> but uh, but Amy and Michelle are true blue. I appreciate Aww. the fact. I appreciate the fact that they get right down to business and don't have all the chatter or the fluff. I live approximately one and a half hours from the nearest city, and when I have to go into town, this is the podcast I listen to on the way there and back. I almost hate to get to my driveway because it's an abrupt (laughs) interruption, and it's so good, I just never want to stop. If I could give a higher rating than five stars, I would. And I'm a tough customer. (laughs) I thank God for you, ladies. Keep up the good work. Run the race and walk worthy. Love you. Oh, (laughs) that is so sweet. You know, uh, yeah, we decided early on when we were talking about doing a podcast together that uh, it would not be the chit chat and the fluff. We we would not be, you know, it's not that we've never giggled at something. We have, (laughs) but uh, we we try to keep that to a a bare minimum so that uh, we're not wasting people's time with that stuff. Anyway, (laughs) we did get another note here. Um, I'm going to mess this name up. Uh, Gonzali one, I I probably I'm you guys know I'm bad at names. Anyway, um, Gonzali writes, I don't know how to thank you enough for your biblical stance and convictions. They have been so refreshing and very helpful to my family and I. We came out of the new apostolic reformation movement in 2019 and have been on a journey to know God's truth through his word. This podcast podcast has been a big part of that journey. Thank you for all you're doing. You are making a difference. Oh, I am so thankful to and thanks for that uh, kind, encouraging word. And uh, I'm so thrilled and incredibly thankful that the Lord opened your eyes and got you out of that uh, dreadful movement. Yes, All right. Uh, another one here. Uh, Faraxi says, 
Um, this podcast is like a breath of fresh air after weeding through the countless Christian podcast books, devotionals for women that are so lacking in accurate biblical teaching and sound doctrine. These lovely ladies speak the truth and encourage us to do the same and to be pursuing righteousness daily. They also do a wonderful job of keeping the show's pace and atmosphere engaging and entertaining. A huge bonus when often uh, tackling difficult topics. So thank you for these ladies, and we're praying for their ministry. Well, thank you, Feroxy. That's really sweet. Well, you know what? We're going to, Michelle, uh, we just need to wrap up here. I think uh, we, we've said what we need to say, and, and we'll just put this out there. And uh, as we always wrap up, we want to encourage you to go to our website, a awordfitlyspoken.life, and you can subscribe to our podcast there. You can search for helpful resources and consider supporting us through a, a prayers or a gift via PayPal or Patreon. That would just help uh, with the podcast costs. And until next time, glorify God wherever you are, be content, share the hope we have in Jesus, and walk worthy.